but they're good for us. And um, especially as the year is ending, some of you kind of hurried up to get your checkups in so you could get reimbursed or um, get your, your money back. And then, but you know, a lot of us are overdue for a checkup. I know myself, I've kind of, as I get older, I delay my checkups because I don't really want to hear sometimes some of the news, and um, sometimes I, I don't want to be involved with all the blood work and things like that, but they're good for us. The checkups, physical checkups are good for us, and they help us make sure we're healthy. They check our progress make any corrections needed so we can make sure we're healthy down the road as well. And so today and next week, though, it'll be a vision check, really, or um, today's a vision check. And then next week, Aaron is going to be bringing us a message on the resurrection. And so we'll be checking our memory, maybe I could call that one. So a vision check this week, a memory check next week. Um, the following week, on the 19th, we're going to have a family meeting, and we get to hear from John Patterson, and then we'll kind of give you all um, a, an update and report on where we're at as a church, and then talk about um, the primary purpose is to spend some time talking about our affiliation with Acts 29, uh, and then lay that out for you as well. So I'm looking forward to these checkups, because I, I believe they're going to help us grow. I believe they're going to help us remain healthy, help us, hey, maybe there's some things we need to correct in our own lives. Maybe there's some things we need to adjust in the church. Maybe there's some things that are preventative maintenance that we can look forward to. But, but ultimately, the reason why we have a checkup is so that we're healthier, so that we can live a more vibrant spiritual life. And so um, today we're going to be talking about a vision check, and I'm looking forward to this being helpful for us making forward progress and even more momentum as we follow the Lord. So turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. We're going to read you the first 16 verses of Romans chapter 1, but I'm only going to focus on, on really primarily Romans 1, 16. So let's, let's read God's holy inspired word for us today. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may succeed at last in coming to you, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I have intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's, let's pray. Father, we, we need this gospel vision checkup. God, I pray that you would use this to, to bring to light areas where we have not seen clearly, Lord, areas where we're not looking at the past clearly in relation to the gospel, Lord, areas where we may not be looking at the present clearly in relation to your good news, Lord, and I pray that we would see clearly the future in relation to your gospel. Lord, would you give us your grace? Lord, thank you that your good news about Jesus Christ is your power, is the power of God, and it's, it's your power that has saved us, that continues to save us, and that one day will completely save and redeem us. And Lord, that power is available for all of us who believe. God, would you empower me to speak? Would you empower each and every one of us to hear? Lord, we don't hear your word apart from your Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit, would you enable us to hear from you and receive from you and apply your words again? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I know it might sound silly, but the only, the only kind of doctor I like going to, and I apologize to my family doctor, who is probably here today, um, that I like going to the optometrist. Because it's, it's rare that there's anything massively invasive or bad there. But um, it's, it's, I like going to the optometrist because I like knowing the health of my eyes. And then when I go, typically I either like getting the news that my eyes are fine, I don't need to do anything, or I get my prescription updated and get better glasses and can see more clearly. Um, even though when it sometimes is uncomfortable. We had an optometrist in uh, Vancouver, and he, he was an old school guy, and he believed that in order to, to look at your eyes, he had to get really, really, really close. And if you've ever had an optometrist or someone like that, it, it invades your personal space a little. And so he would get so close that I, I could swear I could like feel his eyebrows on me. It was, it was that close. And and it was, it was uncomfortable, and he was like breathing, and I was just trying to stay still, because if I moved, I was afraid I would accidentally kiss him or something. It was, it was weird. And, and so I, I run through my head, I was just wondering, like, okay, I'm staying still, staying still, and he's right here, and he's breathing heavy, and he's right there. And then I, I, I always thought, wouldn't it be funny if I just went, and it blew in his face? And I didn't, that would be weird, but I, but I imagined doing that, because I thought he would just kind of jerk back. He was so intense, he, he forgot that I was there. Um, it, it was sometimes invasive, but, but in the end, I knew that he had done a thorough job. He had thoroughly inspected my vision, and I knew that um, if there was anything that I needed to correct my vision, it would be corrected. And I walked out of there confident that, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see more clearly. Um, today, it's not a literal vision check, but we need to take a, a spiritual vision check. And as a church, we have um, a vision for our church to be a gospel-centered church. We want to be gospel-centered in our, in our community. We want to be gospel-centered in how we live with each other, right? Our community. We want to be gospel-centered in our worship. And we believe that worship is not just what we do here on Sunday mornings, but it's also what we do in our life. And then we want to be gospel-centered in our mission. So the gospel is meant to permeate everything we do, but sometimes I think we forget the good news of the gospel, it become a buzz phrase for us. It become a catchphrase, a, a buzzword. And, and sometimes it can become humdrum for us. And we don't let it affect us. And sometimes our vision can get foggy with other things. We can let things of the past kind of fog our vision. We can let things currently fog our vision. We can let fear of the future cause um, our vision to be foggy. Well, Paul tells us good news. He tells us good news in verse 16 of Romans 1. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He says, it's the power of God. Now, he says, not just the power of God for the past, it says for salvation, and that's, that's an ongoing one. Not just salvation once and done, but it's the power of God. It's the continuing power of God. As you're finishing up this year, I don't know if your thoughts ever turn to the, the, your past, and you're filled with maybe, hey, some areas you did well in, maybe some areas that you didn't do as well as you wanted to. Um, you, maybe you're facing discouragement over your past, your current, as you look forward to the future. What you need to hear is that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. It's not just for those ones who have believed. I love the present tense says, for everyone who believes. It's, it's for you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the gospel is the power of God for you. For everyone who believes. Who already believes. This is, these are for believers. Paul, and why does Paul say he's not ashamed of the gospel? You know, because some people said, you know what, Paul, your teaching is kind of juvenile. It, it's, you're, you're telling the same stuff over and over again. You're not really going deep enough. Paul, you're not intellectually stimulating. You're not intellectually challenging. Paul, why do you keep talking about this gospel stuff instead of talking about current events? Paul, why don't you talk about the Romans? Like, hello, it's a big deal, this Roman government thing. Why don't you talk about all the debauchery? Why don't you talk about all these other things? Why don't you address how do we deal with all these current event things? And Paul says, no, no, I I am, but I'm doing it through the gospel because the gospel actually addresses everything. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. not ashamed to keep talking to you about the gospel. By this point in Paul's ministry, it had been probably 30 years. He still says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. You know, learning techniques in the Christian life is not what we need more of. It can be helpful. It can be helpful to know um, what we need to do. How do we do different things? That can be good. But what will sustain us is God's power. 
We need something long-term to sustain us. We need, we need the gospel to sustain us long-term. And we don't, we don't need quick fixes to sustain us. We need God's good news of Jesus Christ to sustain us because that is the power of God. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I like power. You ever, anybody here ever like power? You feel like you like power? Anybody here weak in your life? Any, any ever, have you been weak this past year? There have been times where you've faltered. There have been times where you've looked back at your past, or maybe you're stuck in the present, and you're discouraged, or maybe as you look forward to the future, you're not encouraged, and you think, how in the world will I do this? How in the world? I can't overcome my past. I don't know how to do this present thing, and the future does not look so bright. What do you need? Paul says you need the power of God, and you need the power of God that that comes through his good news, that comes through the gospel, that is us living in light of the gospel, trusting in the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation. For, not just past tense, everyone who believes. And, and I love that that's, that's Paul's commission, right? Paul still sees himself many years on. In, in verse one, he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be a possible. Uh, and what is he set apart for? He says, I've been set apart for something very specific, for the gospel of God in verse 1. You know, Paul did lots of things. He, he was more than just an evangelist. When he says, I'm set apart for the gospel, it doesn't mean he was just evangelizing. He was set apart so that he might be a minister of the gospel for those who believe. He, he planted churches. He taught churches. He trained up leaders. He was one of the best theologians of his day. He thought deeply, and yet the deepest thing that he brings, the thing that he's not ashamed to continue to hammer is this good news. And he tells us who this gospel is about in verses 3 and 4. He says, concerning his son, God's son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be a son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection, which we're going to hear about next week. From the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 5 and 7 says, through whom we've received grace. And apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. So what is the good news? The good news is, is something that Paul is set apart for. The good news is, is concerning Jesus Christ, what he's done, who he is. The good news is the Son of God come in power. And it was proven by his resurrection. And the good news is God's grace. He said, if we receive grace and apostleship... And the good news also brings about the obedience of faith, it says in Romans 1.5. It brings about the obedience of faith. Look in verse 6 of Romans 1. It says, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't want to hear yet another message, come on, about the gospel. I don't want to hear one more message about the gospel. I know it already. And yet he says that this message about the Son of God, it's for us who are called and who already belong to Jesus. Don't think you can move on from that. Don't think you should move on from that. It's for all of us who are called, who do belong. Look in verse 7, it says, to all who are in Rome who already are loved by God. This isn't just for unbelievers. You know, growing up I thought that, hey, the gospel is the story about Jesus that's just to become saved. And we don't, after that, we kind of move on to deeper things. And Paul says, hang on, the deeper things are, are how we live out this gospel, how we apply the gospel, how we trust in the gospel. That's how we grow deeper as we grow more and more in our understanding of and trusting in this good news. He says, to all who are called, to those who belong, to those who are loved by God, called to be saints, this good news is for saints. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ here, this good news is for you. The gospel is also meant to be a means of grace and peace. Look in verse 7. It says, grace to you and peace from God. And in the context, this grace and peace that we receive is this good news. Now look at verse 14. He says, I'm under obligation, both to Greek and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. The, the gospel is for both Jews and Gentiles, Greeks and barbarians, the cultured the intellectually elite, and those who just go about their day not thinking about those kinds of things. And it's, it's, for, it's for those who work white-collar jobs and blue-collar jobs. The wise and foolish both need the good news of the gospel. So this is why he's eager, because for every type of person in every season, the gospel is the power of God. 
for our ongoing salvation. For everyone who believes. Now, why are we doing a vision check is that we want to know the power of God. Let me ask you a question. Are are you currently experiencing the power of God in your life? Are, Are you aware, maybe is a better way to ask that, are you aware of experiencing the power of God in your life? Do, you, do you, anybody here want more power of God in your life? Anybody desire to have more power of God in your life? Here's what he says. This, the gospel, as we apply, as we receive, we believe, we trust in God's good news, it is the power of God for us who believe. What power are you relying on? What power are you trusting in? I don't know about you, but I'm not like the Energizer Bunny. My power runs out, and I need to be recharged And often, though, we have vision problems. It says the gospel is for everyone who believes, and yet sometimes we don't see so clearly that we need it. Sometimes, as well, we don't believe. We don't believe. And sometimes I I don't see clearly, I don't believe, I don't trust. I can't always see the way forward. And I need my vision corrected. I I need to put on my good news, my gospel glasses, if you will. And there's three ways we're going to do a little vision check today. We're going, to, we're going to check our vision in relation to our past. You know, how do you see your past? How clearly do you see your past in light of the good news of the gospel? That's for you. How clearly do you see your present? The good news of the gospel is for your present. How clearly do you see your future in the good news of the gospel? The gospel is the power of God for your past, for your present, and for your future. And the good news of Jesus, it redeems our past. That's good news for each and every one of us here. Every one of us has a past that needs to be redeemed. And, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ redeems our past. You know, there are areas of the past that I am ashamed of. There are things that have been done to me in the past that I'm ashamed of. There are parts of my past that I feel like I can't live down. Anybody have that? Anybody experienced that? Sometimes we can, you know, if you've ever been with somebody who has dementia, my, my grandmother at one point in time, she had dementia, and so she didn't recognize most of the family, but for some reason she recognized me because I looked enough like my dad when he was younger, when I was a kid, and she was living in those days. She kept calling me Tommy, which I thought was kind of funny because I never thought of my dad as a Tommy. He's always been a Tom. But she kept calling me Tommy, and we had those discussions, and, and, and she was... She was in the past. She was living there. Now, that affected how she lived day by day. It made it a little challenging. And so, to make it easier on her, we would would at times just pretend that we were still there and just go along with it. It was easy. That's not deceitful, by the way. That's mercy. But spiritually, we we can live with spiritual dementia of sorts. We can live in the past. We can live in the past and feel like the past defines you. Um, I don't know about you, but, you know, growing up, um, I, I had parents who loved God. They, they became believers when I was about four or five. They were rank pagans before then. They became believers. The transformation was incredible. But you know what? They weren't fully sanctified. And when I was growing up, I was aware that I never quite felt, and I don't know if it was me, if it was my dad, or what it was, I never felt like I was quite good enough. I never could felt like I could live up to expectations. And and unfortunately, at times, I carry that into the present. And, and, I, and I live with this low-lying sense of I'm never really accepted, never really good enough. And, and maybe that's the case for some of you as, you, as you think about your past and you feel like uh, this, this low-lying kind of, I feel like I'm a loser. I feel like I'm never good enough. I feel like I can't meet up. I can't, I can't meet expectations. I'm never quite good enough. And, and that defines you. For, for others, maybe you've been hurt by someone else and you feel like you can't get past that and, and so you're living with spiritual dementia there. Or for others, maybe your past is due to your own sin. I've got all three of those categories, by the way. <laughs> um, and and you've, you've done things that you're ashamed of and, and, and there will be times when you're just going to mind your business and you remember your past life, your past sins, or maybe your past sin was last week or yesterday or the day before and you're stuck there. You don't feel like you can get past it. What do you need? You need the power of God. You need the gospel. 
I need the gospel to, to inform, to help us see our past rightly. We need a vision check to make sure we're seeing our past rightly. And here's what God says about our past. I'm just going to give you a few different scriptures as we go throughout here, all relating back to Romans 1 in some way. But in Romans 3, it tells us a little bit about our past. It says, For the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. And I'm going to stop for a second. How does this relate to our past? Well, under the law, we were all guilty. Under God's law, his righteous requirements, we were all guilty. That's our past, right? Every one of us was guilty. And I think every one of us knows that to some degree. Even if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you know that you've not been perfect and you've not met God's expectations. Every one of us has been unrighteous. And, and here is the good news, how the gospel applies to our past. is But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. We were not able to keep the law. We were lawbreakers. But the gospel says that that the righteousness of God is not based on our past. It's not based on our ability to keep the law. Look in verse 22. It says, The righteousness of God through what? Through faith in Jesus Christ. For who? For all who believe. For all who believe. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, that he came to live a sinful, sinless life on your behalf, to, to die a sinner's death that you deserve to die, to be resurrected and experience life so that you can experience life. If you placed your trust, your faith in that, here's the good news. You have the righteousness of God through faith, through believing in that. So it informs your past because it says, you know what, all of your unrighteousness has been put on Jesus and now you have his righteousness by faith. Your past no longer defines you. Instead of, instead of ignoring our past, we should, we should do a few things with it. We should say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to own that. And then I'm going to repent of it, if you haven't already. And then I'm going to give it to Jesus and realize that now he owns it. Do you know what that means? It means he owns all of our unrighteous deeds. They were already put on him. He took ownership for them. Anything you've done in your past is sinful? Anybody here ever sinned in their past? You can raise your hand, please. Anybody ever done any, any kind of sinful thing in your past? If you have placed your faith in Jesus, that no longer belongs to you. It doesn't belong to you anymore. It, it, it now, if you place your faith, by faith, that, those unrighteous acts all belong to Jesus and they've been condemned already, no longer to be brought up again. They've already, he took ownership of our past. He took our past sins. He took ownership for them. And now, informing our past is now he's made us righteous. So every time the devil tells you, hey, you're no good, you can say, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not myself, but you know what? I, I can't be good. I never could be good enough. Instead, I have all the goodness of Jesus. I, I never could meet up. You're right, devil, I could never meet up. I could, I could never be good enough. And I, I really still can't do that anyway. Now, not, not only then, but I can't do that now. And, and so, but my confidence is that my right standing before God is not based on my past. I'm gonna have good gospel vision and say, Lord, thank you. My right standing with you is based on all of your right acts. He says, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And he, here's the thing, he says, there's no distinction. Everybody's sinned. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. Don't think somehow that your past, your sins are somehow greater than all those you know. You need to have gospel vision. All have sinned. No distinction. All fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, we all sin in different ways. There's all kinds of different ways we can sin. You might not have sinned the same way, but there's no distinction. All have sinned. All fall short. And here's looking in verse 24. You are justified. Your past has already been done away with before God. You have been justified. It says by what? By, by your works? By you like being sorry enough? You know how many times you have to feel bad about your past? Do I have to still wallow in guilt and condemnation? Like I, I've been a, a loser my whole life and you know I'm just going to, maybe if I feel bad enough, God will make me just. That's not what it says. It says justified by what? By his grace. And how does it come? As a gift. By his favor that's given freely to us 
at the cost of Jesus freely to us through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. He redeems our past. You're not defined by your past anymore. You're not defined by your past sins. You're not defined by shame of what's been done to you or shame of what you've done. Now, look in verse 25. It says, whom God put forward as a propitiation. That's a really big word. All that means is he put forward as a means to turn away his wrath. God, God put forward Jesus as the one who would turn away his wrath that we deserve. So, your past doesn't define you, but it also, when you're thinking of your past, God's not angry with you for your past because Jesus already took your anger. All the anger you deserve. He's, he's not angry with you. And it says, to be received by faith. We all sin, we all fall short, we don't ignore it, we don't deny it. You say, yes, that's true, but here's what's also true of everything in my past. Now Jesus owns it, and he's paid for it, and I'm justified, and it's never to be paid again. It doesn't even belong to me. He took it by faith. He took all my past we're justified. And, I, 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 you know, we used to say when I was growing up, just as if I never sinned. I don't know that's helpful. It's just as if I did sin and he, by his grace, forgave me anyway. That's justification. It's all done. No more to do. That's how we need to look at our past. Completely redeemed. And let your past turn to calls for worship. God, thank you. Undeserving as I was, Lord. Undeserving as I am, you've redeemed my past. I'm not defined by it. I don't have to live like that anymore. And don't let anyone else tell you you're like that. Because the power of God changes us. No more wrath, sins forgiven, reconciled with God. Romans 4 tells us the state now that we're in. Romans 4, 7, it says, Blessed are all those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom, and that is man and woman, by the way, whom the Lord will not count his sin. He does not count your sin against you, and you are blessed. You are truly blessed, truly happy. Your lawlessness is forgiven, your sins covered. I love, love how, how else Romans speaks in Romans 5.10. For while we were enemies, this is our past, you were an enemy of God. Don't, don't try to get around it. Don't pretend that you weren't an enemy. While we were enemies, we were reconciled. That is your, now your past you will reconcile to God. Why? How? By the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Much more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've received reconciliation. You have received reconciliation. What does that mean? God has reconciled to you. He is not angry with you. He's at peace with you. You are at peace with him. You're not enemies. You're not in darkness. We don't have time to go through 1 Peter 2, but 1 Peter 2 tells you who you were. You once were in darkness, but now you've been called out of darkness. You once weren't a people, but now you are. Romans 8, 2 says, the law of the spirit of life has set you free. Maybe you feel like I can never get past the expectations of my family. I can never get past how I view myself. I can never get past how everybody else has viewed me. And here's what you need to hear about your past. In Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Not only that, Jesus told us in John 14, we're no longer orphans. He says, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And he has come. We have no need to fear God's wrath or anger. He's not somehow up in heaven shaking his head at you. If you're a believer, the good news is God's not sitting there thinking, how could you have? 1 John 4, 18 tells us there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with, look at that word, punishment. What he's saying is you have no punishment from God to fear. That's anything in your past, anything. Maybe it was this morning you blew up on the way to church. If you placed your faith in him, there's no fear of punishment he first loved us, and that's why we love. But you know, the problem is if I don't see my past clearly, I'm going to try to redeem myself. You ever get stuck in that, that trap? Self-redemption, you know? Now that Jesus saved me, I've got to be good enough on my own. That's denying the gospel. 
That's saying that, you know, Jesus, the gospel was good enough to save me, but it's not good enough to keep me. That's a lie. If I don't see my past clearly, I'm going to wallow in my guilt, shame. If I don't see past clearly, I'm going to give in to fatalism, or maybe I'll give in to sin, because what's the point? If I don't see my past clearly, I'm going to try to atone for my sins, and I can never be free because I can never be good enough. If I don't see my past clearly, I'm going to try to justify myself and exonerate myself of my own guilt. I'm going to be frustrated. I'll become discouraged. If I don't see my past, I'll, I'll try to hide and cover up my sin. And, and there is a whole... Be careful. There's a whole group of teaching in... And those who, who claim to follow God and, and, and those who follow God who... They, they teach in such a way that, that, that confidence rests on what we do. And so it results in us trying to hide and cover up. And here's the wonderful freedom of the gospel. We don't have to hide and cover up anymore. And we shouldn't hide and cover up anymore because it's only when we say, look, let's bring our sins into the light that he sets us free from those things. No longer in a threat of punishment. No longer to find my past. And here's the good news. He transforms our present. The good news of the gospel. The gospel transforms our present. You're like, oh, that's all well and good about my past. That's fine. I believe that. But right now, I don't feel like I can stop sinning. Right now, I don't feel like um, I, I deserve his favor. Right now, I don't feel like there's hope for the current situation I'm in. Right now, I, I'm struggling the good news of Jesus is the gospel. Why is Paul not ashamed of the gospel? It's the power of God, not just for our past, but the power of God for our present to transform it. What are you struggling with right now? Maybe you have like ongoing areas of temptation. You need gospel vision to see the power of God to enable you to overcome that, that you're new now. Maybe you have ongoing areas where you fail, like me. You know, this, this past week... Uh, Got in an argument with my wife, um, and, and you know afterwards I was discouraged, not because of her, but because of me, and realized, you know, the same thing over and over again, and got discouraged and felt like I couldn't change. What's my problem? My problem is not that I continue to sin. My problem is that I, I'm not seeing the current, the present clearly. I'm not seeing that he has hope to transform me, that he's not condemning me even after I sin now in the present, and that there's hope in the present not in myself, and I was discouraged because I was hoping in myself, and I, oh, I failed again. I don't think I can do this. Well, what am I trusting in? I'm trusting in myself when I, when I have those thoughts. And instead of letting the good news inform us, in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, it says, if anyone is in Christ, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Now, who are those in Christ? It's those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. So, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, here's the good news. The gospel needs to inform your current, your present. You are a new creation. You now belong, as we talked about at Christmas, if you're here uh, the week before Christmas and then here Christmas Eve, um, we, we are now part of the new creation. Jesus was made a new creation inside of Mary. We now, by faith, are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Do you believe that when you are facing your common temptations, do you believe that you're new? And do you believe that the new has come, that you have a new ability? He says, all this is from what? From you? No. He says, all this is from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciles us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And here's the good news. Maybe you, this morning, had a, had a bad morning. Romans 5.1 tells you, if you place your faith, therefore, since we've been justified by faith in the past, we now have peace with God currently through Jesus Christ. God's not angry with you now. He's not like, there you go again. Ephesians 2.19 says, Since then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You're no longer a stranger to God. You're not an alien to God. It's not like you have to, you have a green card with God and he's going to send you back to where you came from. 
You're, you're no longer aliens. You're fellow citizens. You belong. That's who you are right now. You're fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God. You belong in God's house. Not because of yourself, but because of what this good news is. You're not strangers. You belong. He accepts you. You're one of his own. And here's the thing, when you're, when you're tempted to fall back, listen to Romans 8, 8, 15, it says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery, now you receive the Holy Spirit, not the spirit of slavery. If you're feeling like you're stuck in sin and you have to continue to sin, that's not the Holy Spirit, that's the spirit of slavery. You, gotta, you have to look at your current rightly. Okay, if I'm, if I'm tempted to think I'm, gonna, I'm enslaved to the sin, wait a minute, that's not the spirit I received. I received the Holy Spirit the spirit of adoption that says, I belong. I'm his son by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, here's my present. If I'm God's child, then I'm an heir. I'm a fellow heir with Christ, even though I might suffer with him in order that we might be glorified with him. Your suffering today doesn't mean God's not pleased with you. Your suffering today If you suffer and you believe in him, you're his son and daughter. And it's going to result in even more glory for him. You know, unfortunately, I I confess that too often I'm an unbeliever. Too often I'm I'm thinking I'm I'm like the the old television show, the Transformers and those little toys they used to have. I don't even know if they're still around really. But the Transformers and they would, you would have a, a truck and it would transform into something else. Like Optimus Prime would go from a tractor trailer to a robot. We thought they were really cool in the 80s. But fundamentally, they really were just the same thing, right? Anybody here ever seen Transformers, by the way? I just want to make sure that you're tracking with that. Um, they had some movies a few years back. So uh, it fundamentally, it was the same thing. It, just, it was in a different shape. It just looked different. That's not us as Christians. You're not a transformer. You know, when he says you're going to be transformed, he doesn't mean I'm going to take you and I'm going to make you in a different shape. So you're really fundamentally the same stuff. You're the same pieces, I'm just going to make you look different. Or maybe as a Christian, you're like, hey, I'm, I'm still the same, but I'm just going to, now I'm going to act like a Christian on the outside, so it looks like I'm changed here, so it's about behaviorism. And he says, no, that's not how you've been transformed. You've been transformed into something else at your core. You've been given a new core, a new nature. But sometimes I confess that I'm an unbeliever. Now, I don't mean that I don't believe that Jesus died for my sins. Well, maybe I do believe that. I, I, I mean that too often I functionally don't believe the good news in my own life. I don't look to the gospel as the power of God for salvation sometimes. Um, I, I don't look for his power to sustain me. How about you? Do, you? do you forget that you have his power or do you start to try to rely on your own power? get real busy, come up with all kinds of lists, do all kinds of stuff. Some, some telltale signs are, you know, are, are you dry? Um, have, are you discouraged? Are you down? You, you may be looking to your own power. And, and it feels like, hey, wait a minute, I'm down. Don't correct me for that. I'm like, no, what you need is actually to say, look, this downness sometimes is a cause is that you're trusting your own ability Repent of your pride. Say, God, let me humble myself and say that in you there's life and peace. Functionally, I can be an unbeliever, and I think we all are at times. And so often we don't believe the good news. We feel sin, we sin, we feel condemned, we wallow in guilt. We fail, we don't believe we can change. Those are all signs you're not looking for God's power to sustain you. God's power to enable you. You know, the Christian life, it, it's, it's not, God didn't save us for us to rely on ourselves. And, you know, I, I don't like it when people say that, you know, God won't ever give you more than you can bear. That's really not true. He always gives us more than we can bear on purpose in ourselves. Why? Because he doesn't want us to rely on our own abilities. The Christian life is not about what we can bear is about what he has borne and what he bears for us and what he will enable us to bear. Don't, don't think, okay, he, okay I'm, I'm going to be able to do this, God, thank you. And, and so we just end up pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps again and we're just going to fail at that. He has borne our sins. 
He has borne our sorrows, our shame. He continues to bear us up by the Spirit. And yes, by the Spirit, He won't give you more than you're able to bear. Is you, if you, and as you trust in Him, as you rely on His power, sure, yes. If that's what you mean, then yes, it's true. If it means that you're relying on your own power, no, it's not. Sometimes we fail. We don't believe we can change. We encounter difficulties. We don't think we can overcome them. Anybody tracking with any of those things, by the way? We, when circumstances, challenges in our life are too much, we become discouraged or tempted to give in, to give up. Some who experience all of those above temptations, they'll walk away from the faith because they think, you know what, it's just too much for me, and they actually missed the gospel, which says, it is too much for you, that's why you need to be made new, that's why you need the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, which I'm looking forward to hearing about next week, that's what you need. It's, it is too hard, that's why you need God. Every day. Because the gospel is the power of God that you need every day. We see the lost, we think, you know what, they're too far gone. I can't, I can't do what Anne was talking about today. You know, I love that we're talking with the Menards about how, how revelation has affected them and how it's affected me and helps us see unbelievers and see that, boy, there are people who are going to hell and um, that God wants to use us to proclaim his good news if you don't understand that good news for yourself, though, there's no motivation for that. We don't want you to be motivated out of guilt. Oh, there's people going to hell. You better do something about it. No. We want you to see that that's who I was. And because of the grace of God, he's redeemed me. And I want other people to be redeemed, too. And yet we can see the lost and think they're too far gone. They're too unreachable. Yes, they are, but not for the power of God. We, we need every day to wake up and say, God, I need your power today. I need your power today to not share the gospel. I need your power today to believe in you. I need the power today to, to rest in you, to trust in you each and every day. And, and the problem in all those examples I shared is not that the gospel has failed, it's that we failed to see the power of the gospel. We failed to hang on to the, the power that we need. All those things reveal our need for the gospel of Jesus. But he's given us new desires. He enables us to keep in step with his spirit. I'm going to give you Galatians 5.16. not going to read that right now, but Galatians 5.16 talks about walking by the Spirit because we have the good news. He gives us new thoughts as we are keeping in step with Him, with the Spirit of who He's made us to be, who we are in Him. He's given us new thoughts, new desires. We can, we can put on the new self. It says in Colossians 3.10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed. You're currently being renewed. And how is that being renewed? In the knowledge after the image of his creator. By knowing who you are in Christ because of the good news, you are renewed. Did you, did you get that, what he was saying there in Colossians? You are renewed as you have the knowledge of the image of your creator that you've been made to be in his image. That's what will renew you day by day. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By renewing your mind with this good news. All of Romans, by the way, Keith's pointing back to the good news he talks about. All throughout Romans is a treatise on the gospel. He says, by renewing your mind, that by testing you may discern was the will of God, was good, acceptable, and perfect. 2 Corinthians 3, this is all throughout all of the epistles, all the gospels. We all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. What's that image? The image of Jesus. From one degree of glory to another. What's our hope? We're being transformed. Even when you don't see it. For this comes, what comes? This transformation comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Whose power are you relying on? Transformed day by day. Keeps us from looking for worth in our performance or other people. Keeps us from looking for approval from others, because we're already approved by God. And he's continually transforming us into his image. And then lastly, the good news of Jesus, it keeps our future. I won't spend much time on this one, but it, the, the good news of Jesus keeps our future. The reason I'm not going to spend a ton of time is we just spent almost a year about that. The good news of Jesus, it keeps our future. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm worried about the future, and, I, and my response is I want to try to control things. Anybody here ever have control issues? I mean, you can put your hand up if you've got control. Um, if it's your spouse, you can kind of nudge them a little. But um, 
if you have control issues, it may be because you're not trusting in the good news for the future. That you think the future depends on you, so you got to control it all here and now. i got to have things right. i got to make sure everything's okay because I don't trust that God is big enough to control my future. Here's the good news in 1 Peter 1.3. 1 Peter 1.3. Here is the wonderful truth about our future. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, talks about the past, he has caused us to be born again to a current, our present, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance, talking about the future, that's imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, Here's the good news for you. Nothing you can do can make your inheritance perish. If it relies on your faith in Jesus and it relies on his grace, really, because even your faith is a gift, you're not going to kill your inheritance somehow. Someone else in your life is not going to kill the inheritance you have in him. It's imperishable. And and look at this. It's undefiled. Look Look in verse 4. It's undefiled. You and your current failures, you will not defile what God says about you is true. Nor will anyone else. Not only that, it's unfading. It doesn't kind of go fade and go out like a lamp that grows dim. He says, no, it's not kept here because this whole world will fade. But no, it's kept in heaven that is unfading. Who by, look at, look at verse 5, by God's power. Whose power? Say it out loud. God's power are being guarded. You are currently being guarded for the future through faith, for a salvation. It's ready to be revealed in the last time. Who you really are in him will be revealed in the last days. In this you rejoice. Are you rejoicing in your future? Do you have good gospel glasses on about your past, about your present, and about the future? In this you rejoice. So now for a little while, if necessary, you'll be grieved by various trials. You have trials right now that doesn't affect your future. But those trials are meant to prove that your faith, to show, to reveal that your faith is genuine, it says in verse 7. And to reveal that it's more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory. Here's what's going to happen with all those areas you have trials in. It's going to be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that's inexpressible. That's if you have good gospel glasses on. Filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, what of that passage relies on you? None. None. It's according to his great mercy. He's caused us to be born again. He's given us a living hope through the resurrection. He's given us an inheritance. He keeps it. We have trials, yes, but he's going to use them for our good and for his glory. And then even though we don't see him, we love him, but we don't love him because we chose. We love him because he first loved us. We don't see him, but we believe in him. Why do we believe in him? Because he's given us that ability to believe. And we will obtain the outcome of faith, the the salvation of our souls. The future doesn't depend on you. It depends on Jesus. He doesn't just own your past. He owns your present. And he owns your future. It's kept secure in him. Our hope's not in this life. It's in him. Keeps us from looking to satisfy, be satisfied in the things of this world. If you find that you are disappointed because you didn't get whatever Christmas present you were hoping you would get. Remind yourself, our satisfaction doesn't lie in the things of this world. If things didn't go the way you wanted them to go, your hope does not lie in your current experience. We have a future that's kept, it's undefiled, and it's kept for us. Keeps us from having to take control, keeps us from hopelessness, keeps us from fear, keeps us from giving up and giving in. If we see clearly, we're going to trust the gospel to redeem our past, to transform our present and keep our future. The question is, are you seeing it clearly?
Do you believe in the power of God? And do you believe that the power of God is the gospel? And that's his power for you today. Well, I love the song we sang. The, um, Philip's helping out with uh, Grace Kids, so he's not able to, to lead us in song. But I wanted to, to go back. Can you go back to, there's a song, Completely Done, if you can find that, get out, out of my slides there. If you can find the worship song somewhere and go back to the song Completely Done. I want to read you some of those words and then we're just going to close in prayer and dismiss after that. Look at verse one together. What reason have I to doubt? Why would I dwell in fear when all I've known is grace? My future in Christ is clear. Let, let this cause worship in your heart right now. My sins have been paid in full. There's no condemnation here. I live in the good of this. Are you living in the good of that? My Father has brought me near. I'm leaving my fears behind me now. Fears of the past, fears of the present, fears of the future. The old is gone, the new has come. What you complete, God is talking to God, what you complete is completely done. We're heirs with Christ, the victory won. What you complete is completely done. Verse 3 says, I don't know what lies ahead. What if I fail again? You are my confidence. You'll keep me to the end. I'm leaving my fears behind me now. The old is gone, the new has come. What you complete is completely done. We're heirs with Christ. The victory won. What you complete is completely done. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your good news. Help us see our past clearly through gospel lenses. Lord, help us see our present situation, circumstances, trials, difficulties, struggles. Help us, see, help us see our present clearly through gospel lenses. God, help us see the future clearly. Help us have gospel eyes. Lord, would you give us joy that what you complete is completely done. Would you give us joy in your victory already won? Would you give us fresh hope, fresh eyesight? In your name we pray, amen.